Well, friends, as you know, the last few times I've been talking to you, uh, um, I, we've been looking at Psalm 46. Um, and as you probably are aware, um, in the UK, we are in a period of mourning at the moment because of the death of the Queen, uh, 70 years on the throne. And it's been quite interesting a number of times in these last two or three days uh, when tributes have been given to the Queen or when there's been a service, they've actually read this psalm, Psalm 46. Um, and so uh, I've, I've got my black tie on, a uh, sign of mourning, and uh, uh, as the country is mourning uh, the loss of the Queen. Um, uh, and uh, it, in, in many ways, um, she often spoke of, about her faith and the, the, her faith in the Lord Jesus. Um, and I, I trust that she did indeed know him as Lord and Saviour. Of course, I'm not the final judge on that, but um, we trust so. But we leave that with the Lord. But I want today to, to look at verses. I want to try. This may be mad to try and do this in 10 minutes, but I want to try and look at verses five to seven. So Joshua, 40, uh, sorry, Psalm 46 and verses five to seven. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. And I think we've seen already that um, the Lord watches over his church and keeps her safe, and God will protect and sustain his people through all the experiences of life. And uh, the psalm has already reminded of that and the city of God and the river of God and the temple of God uh, and the worship of God. Um, but here we have four further great facts of assurance. And I'm going to give them to you briefly this, this, this afternoon or this morning for you, but this afternoon for me. One, God's presence. And uh, one or two things we can say under this. Firstly, the fact of God's presence. Verse five, God is in the midst of her. Now, I don't know about you, my friends, but do you feel under threat sometimes? Do you feel as though the world is crashing in upon you? Do you have all kinds of uh, concerns and, and, and sorrows? Um, many people in our country are full of sorrow at the, the, the death of our, of our queen. Uh, and some are saying they don't know where to turn or what to do. Um, but remember, if, if we are the Lord's people, God is with us. And sometimes the church seems to be under siege, but God is here with us. And sometimes men blaspheme us. Well, they blaspheme him also. But God is with us. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were in the fire with one who was like the son of man. And when they walked through the fire, he was with them. And that's wonderful because when God is in the midst of us, we are indestructible. We have a hymn in our country. It goes like this. Sovereign ruler of the skies, ever gracious, ever wise. All my times are in thy hand. All events at thy command. His decree who formed the earth fixed my first and second birth. Parents, native place and time, all appointed were by him. And then the hymn goes on to speak about the trials of life. And it ends with this verse. And I love this verse. It's been such a comfort to me over the years. Plagues and deaths around me fly till he bids I cannot die. Not a single shaft can hit 
till the God of love sees fit. Well, that's wonderful. Do you know the fact of God's presence? But this verse also talks about the result of God's presence. Verse five, they shall not be moved, literally not shaken, not thrown off balance, not destroyed. Oh, there may be many things that will shake us, but we are secure because we are rooted in God who cannot be moved and we cannot be God moved. If God can be shaken and overthrown, then there's no hope for us. But if our God is the unchanging God, then nothing, nothing in heaven or earth or under the earth can move or shake us. And the whole created order may crumble to dust. But if you are in God's church, you are safe and secure. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. And the indestructibility of the church is directly related to the presence of God with his people. How wonderful that is. Spurgeon says this, the Lord is in the vessel that is the church and she cannot therefore be wrecked. Now, many years ago, uh, Britain built what they was called the Titanic. It was the unsinkable ship. My friends, it sank on its maiden voyage. The only truly unsinkable ship is the Ark of the Covenant in which we sail through this life to glory. Are you on board? God's presence, the fact, the result. Secondly, God's help. Who does he help? God shall help her. Who are they? His own people the members of the church of Jesus Christ, the saints of God, you and me, if we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and saved by his precious blood. Help, so simple, yet so important. And when in trouble, what do we need? Help. And God has never promised us freedom from trouble and tribulation, but he has promised that he would help us. Now, there's a lot more I could say, but I'm not preaching on this. I'm just giving you a brief devotion. So we'll leave it there. All right. Secondly, in under this heading, when he helps, just at the break of dawn, literally exactly at the right time. Now, as I get older, I find that I'm getting up earlier and I'm often up by six o'clock in the mornings. Morning. Um, I don't sleep very well these days. That's one of the problems of getting old. Uh, and uh, well, there we are. But God is always up at the crack of dawn. And when we're still in bed full of worry, our God is tenderly watching over us. There is an eye that never sleeps beneath the wing of night, says the hymn writer. And literally, the word here is at the turning of the morning, at the turning of the morning, literally when the night seems to be at its blackest. Now, I don't know about you, I'm sure it's true, but there are times when you cannot sleep and it gets to three o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep and it seems dark and it seems that morning will never come. Have you had nights like that? I certainly have. When my wife some years ago was very, very seriously ill in hospital and not expected to live, I, I felt like that and the morning never seemed to come. Well, it did. When all hope seems to be at the lowest, it is then that God comes. 
And when darkness seems to have settled upon the church and all seems lost, then God has come to her help. And one or two of us have said, haven't we, on the prayer call in the last few uh, weeks, they're feeling something of the heaviness and the, the, the difficulty of life and the tragedies of life and the sorrows of life. And they're feeling hard. The way is hard. My friends, that is when God comes. Now, for many years, I was pastor of a church down uh, in St. Ives in the far southwest uh, of, uh, of Great Britain, uh, right on the coast. And on one occasion, uh, this was actually before I went, I came to the church, but uh, this story was so well known in the church and it was reported in the area. But there was a time where there was a very serious fire in Fourth Street, which was a street where the church was. Uh, it's only just set back from the harbour front. And the fire was raging down the street. And our church secretary was standing up on the cliffs above, what, looking down, and he could see the flames getting closer and closer to the church. And for this old church, um, 300 years old building, um, and he was really worried about this building. And the, 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 the flames literally got right to the edge of the roof of the church. And at that moment, the wind changed its direction and the rain came down and the building was spared. God came at the last minute and saved the building and saved the church, all the problems of having to rebuild in that situation. Now, that's a you may say that's a silly illustration or a little illustration, but what a blessed assurance to be a member of the city of God, a citizen of Zion where you are safe. What a tragedy debate to be outside, to be unsaved. And when the events, events described in verse three, though its waters roar and the mountains shake, and verse six, the nation raged and the kingdoms were moved, where will you be? And if you're outside the city, well, my friend, I don't want to be in your shoes. <laughs> God's presence, God's help. Thirdly, God's power, verse six. How do we know that God's power is adequate? Well, take a look at history. Take a look at what the Bible tells us. God is at work in all of history. All the events of life are under his sovereign control. Demonstrated here in the rage of the nations and the voice of God. So under God's power, notice two things. Firstly, the rage of men, the rage of men. Who are the men here? They are the ungodly nations, the Gentiles, those who are in furious uproar against the Lord. Psalm 2 describes them. Psalm 14 describes them. There are parts of Psalm 36 that describe them. People who have a concerted effort to break free from the restraints of God's word. The violent raging of the nations, the shaking of the kingdoms those who are intensely opposed to the people of God and the word of God and deliberately planning to attempt to undermine God's order in society. Now, we've seen that many times, of course, in history. We know the many attempts that have been to exterminate the Jews. Adolf Hitler was but one of many who have sought to destroy the nation of Israel, but they couldn't do it because the nations may rage, but God is our God. And I love those words about 
Sennacherib in 2 Kings chapter 19, a time of great confusion and turmoil and where he surrounded the city. And uh, God uh, told Hezekiah uh, through Isaiah uh, to, con to spread the matter before the Lord. And it has been said by some people that it was Isaiah that actually wrote this psalm at that time. I don't know whether that is the case or not. But there were men's hearts failing them for fear for what would happen. And what do we read in the old authorized version? It says something like that. This, that that night, the angel of the Lord went through the camp. And when they got up in the morning, they were all dead men. Well, I always used to laugh at that as a child because I don't know how you get up in the morning if you're dead. <laughs> but uh, you know what the author, you know what the Bible was saying when everybody else got up. But it, it just, to my childish mind, it was just one of those things that I thought funny. Yeah, sorry, forgive me. <laughs> That's not being facetious. But the rage of men, God knows. But he is the voice of God. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. What a contrast. What a contrast. God speaks his word and the raging of the nations melts away. The power of God when he speaks. He spoke in creation. Let there be light. And there was light. I can't do that. You can't do that. You can't speak things into existence. It happened according to his word. He spoke on Sinai, the thunders of his law. He spoke through the prophets. Thus says the Lord, they said. He spoke through his son. Hebrews 1 tells us that. He spoke to still the storm on the lake. Peace be still. He spoke to raise the dead at the grave of Lazarus. And he will speak again at the last great judgment day. God's presence, God's help, God's power. Fourthly, God's comfort. Verse seven, his presence, the Lord of hosts is with us. This is the reason for our security and our confidence that all our enemies were defeated. If we're in Christ, we're on the victory side. The Lord our God rules the heavens. The angels, the stars, the elements, and all the hosts of heaven. Spurgeon says this, Woe to those who fight against him, for they will fly like smoke before the wind when he gives his word to scatter them. He is indeed the sovereign ruler of the skies. I love those words in 2, two Kings 6, verse 8 to 18, when Elisha uh, is in the city and uh, uh, he thinks that uh, the, all, the, uh, all, the, uh, all their enemies surround the city to try to take over the city. And um, uh, the, the, their enemies, they send a whole army to capture one man. And Elisha uh, says to his servant, or his servant says to Elisha, he says, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And the, uh, Elisha makes a statement and he prays a prayer. He makes the statement, he says, fear not, for those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And then he prays a prayer. Lord, open the young man's eyes that he may see. And he sees that another host was already there, even though Elijah's ser Elisha's servant couldn't see them, surrounding the enemy. 
Now, we may not always see God's hand upon us, but he is there. We may not always be aware that the hosts of the Lord are surrounding us, but they're there. Therefore, fear not. And that reminds us of his protection. The God of Jacob is our refuge, the sovereign grace of God to the unworthy. Jacob was chosen, the God of Jacob. That twister, that cheat, that supplanter who deceived his brother and lied to his father and broke his mother's heart and robbed his uncle and despised his first wife and cheated his second wife. But God put his hand upon him and Jacob was transformed. transformed. What grace. This God is our refuge. This God is our fortress. Now, we get the word refuge in verse one. I haven't time to go into this now, the place of safety. But here in verse seven, it's a different word for refuge. And it means a stronghold, a fortress. And even though the nations rage and the kingdoms move, God is still building his church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Do you know this? Is verse seven true for you? Well, my friend, if not, you get right with God now before it's too late.